Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor David Lindell, Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Wasn't Brandon's message Sunday in the New Normal series just rocking good? Um, and talking about consecration, talking about what happens, the, the power that's introduced into our lives when we will step into and step out of simultaneously the work of consecration, stepping toward the things that God has for us and then eliminating the things that would keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. And it could be that as he was speaking, I believe this is actually true for every single one of us, that God was speaking to us as Brandon was preaching, the Holy Spirit was doing some surgery on our hearts and he was rearranging the furniture in our hearts and kind of saying, okay, here's some things that need to go and here's some things that need to accelerate in your life. And that's all part of the work of consecrating ourselves as the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, that we lean in. We don't lean away from that, we lean into that and know that God through that is taking us on a journey of experiencing his goodness and his grace to a greater degree than we've ever known before. And that's, that's such an exciting thing. But when we talk about consecration, part of what we're, we're honing in on and part of what the desire is behind that is that our lives, that we would live lives that honor the Lord. That I would live a life, I, I don't know about you, but I wanna live a life that honors God. That when it's all said and done, what mattered most was that I honored Him. What matters most was that he was pleased. That's why the Apostle Paul says, and so we make it our aim to please him. It's what matters most, honoring him. And here's the amazing thing about that. When you elevate the priority of honoring God to number one in your life, there are promises that God attaches to that priority. There are promises that God attaches to that priority. Are you thankful that we serve a God who has made promises to his people? That we don't walk in this relationship with him where we don't know what he wants to do in our lives or what he will do in our lives. That God has been very clear through his word that there are promises attached to the priorities that he's called you to elevate in your life. There are promises, and those promises are important, by the way. Why does it matter that you know the promises that God has made you? It matters. It matters. But why does it matter? What do those promises do in any one of our lives? 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Peter says he has given you these precious and very great promises. Precious and very great promises. And where does all of that lead? When you understand what the promises are, when you understand the gravity of the promises, when you internalize the promises, what does that create in your life? Oh, what it does is it creates a safeguard so that you are kept from being ineffective in all that God has called and created you to be. You know what? It's possible to be a Christian and not be an effective Christian. God help us. It's possible to be a follower of Jesus and be an ineffective follower of Jesus. Oh God, I don't want to be ineffective. I want to be effective. I want to be a tool to do damage to darkness. And if I'm going to do that, I've got to know the promises. If you're going to do that, you've got to know the promises. So now... The reason I say all of that, when it comes now back to honoring God, there are promises attached to us honoring him. That when you make your life about honoring the Lord, there are promises, specific promises, and I'm not gonna exhaust the list of promises that are attached to that, but I am gonna give you some specific ones that are attached to that very theme, that very idea, and they're tucked away in the Old Testament book of Malachi. So Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. If you've got your Bible or if you've got a phone, Bible on it, you might want to go there because I don't think, uh, probably you've not spent a ton of time in Malachi. You may have, and that's great. Uh, But we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 16, because in this passage, what we get are three promises. Three promises when you honor God. Three promises when you honor God. And Malachi writes this down in verse 16 for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. So we're kind of picking this up in the middle of kind of a scenario that Malachi is laying out for us. So there are kind of two groups of people in the passage that are being highlighted. And for simplicity reason, we'll dive into this a little bit more. But one group is specifically identified as those who do not honor the Lord. They do not fear God. They do not honor God. When we talk about fearing God, we're talking about reverencing him, honoring him, giving glory to him, recognizing who he is, his grandeur, his might, his power, how awesome he is, that he is God. So there's one group, and they're clearly not doing that. And then Malachi says, okay, there's this other group, and this is in verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, In the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Okay, what is is Malachi pointing us to here? Well, I believe there are three promises embedded in these verses. And the first is this, 
that honor, when you honor God, honor gets God's attention. Honor gets God's attention. Go back to verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. So interesting because often when we think of God paying attention or listening or hearing us, we think of it in reference to God hearing our prayers. And certainly the Bible is replete with um, passages and stories and situations in which God tells us that he hears us when we pray and he gives us insight into how he hears us and why he hears us and what prepares him to hear us and us to be heard. All of that is in the pages of scripture, but this This passage is not about God hearing our prayers. So interesting. It's talking about a group of people who are honoring God and what it says in verse 16 before it attaches it to a promise is Malachi says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to who? They spoke to one another. And so essentially what you have here, and this is so interesting, is that you've got people talking to one another about God. They're talking to one another about God, and God is listening in on their conversation. What are they saying? What are they saying? What are they, what, we, don't, we don't know actually the particulars of the conversation that they're having, but we can surmise what they're saying based on the fact that it is contrary to what is being said by those who don't honor God. This is interesting. It it seems to be, it must be, we assume, the opposite of what those who are not fearing the Lord, not those who don't honor God, are saying, and what are they saying? Well, when you go down to, when you go back up in the passage, you kind of get in on this whole situation and why we read what we do about those who are honoring God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, you have said terrible things about me. That's not a good thing. Like if God says that to you, that's not good. Not good at all. So this is setting up the, the situation where God is, Malachi is helping us understand, okay, here's the other group of people in play here, and here's what's going on in their conversation. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord, but you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? God says, you have said, what's the use of serving God? What's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins? What good has it done us? Where has it gotten us? What has it produced in our life? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. In other words, those who don't honor the Lord, those who don't fear the Lord in this passage, here's the way they're operating in conversation. They are talking about God and they're saying, you know what, he's not reliable, he's not true to his word, I trusted him and nothing came of it. You know what, it seems like my neighbor, they don't don't give two hoots about God, they don't care about God, they're not interested in the things of God and everything goes right for them and everything goes wrong for me. This is the conversation that is percolating in this group and God's 
says, here's the contrast. That's the way they operate. And Malachi says, okay, but there's this other group and they fear the Lord and their conversation is very different. And God listens to them talking to one another and out of listening to them talk to one another, what we find out is it says that God paid attention and God heard them. Literally, God leaned in. So what is it that they're saying? What they're saying are things like this. God's trustworthy. God's true to his word. God, you know what? He will never let you down. His word says he'll never leave you or forsake you. And guess what I've seen? I've seen that God has stuck with me and his presence has saturated my home and he's gone before me into meetings where I didn't know what to do. And he's provided when I was, my back was up against the wall and he's given me insight and wisdom and his peace has blanketed my life and my marriage and my home. And in every difficulty and in every trial, he's been more than enough. That's the content of their conversation. God is good. It's all about God's character and God's goodness and God's kindness and God moving toward them in the midst of situations and settings where they didn't know what to do. All of that's conjecture on my part, but we have to assume that their conversation is very, very, very different than the conversation of those who God is leaning in and listening to who don't fear the Lord. When we speak the truth about God's character, when you speak the truth about who God is, when that becomes the content of your conversation, here's what happens. It not only attracts God, God values it. God values it. And if it's valuable to God, it's profitable to you. If it's valuable, if, here's the thing, if the creator of heaven and earth leans in and listens to conversations about truth regarding his character in nature, how much more should we lean in and participate in conversations about God's character in nature? If God finds it valuable, how much more will you find it profitable? Here's, here's the thing. You know, yesterday I had the opportunity to have really the first full conversation with my dad since he was in the hospital. He's just, he was really weak coming out of that. And so hasn't been on, wanted to be on the phone a lot or had the energy to be on the phone a lot. And so I was talking to him and he was talking to me. This is such an amazing thing. He was talking to me, but he said, you know, while I was in the hospital, the presence of the Lord was so strong. And he said, I, you know, I, I know God woke people up to pray for me. He said, I just felt like the love of God, the presence of God, God's nearness, God's, God's hand on the whole situation. And here's what that made me do. It made me go, wow, God, I, I want more of your presence. I want more of that in my life. I want more of that. I want more of your hand on me. I want more of your nearness. I want more of your strength. Why? Because it was on his lips. He's, he's walked through these days that have been incredibly hard, and yet the content of his conversation is the goodness of Creator God. It's just where he's at. And what that does is it spurs me on to lean into God. To, okay, I'm, I'm going to pursue him harder. I'm going to run. I'm going I'm to pull closer to him, closer than I've been. I want to I go closer. Here's what happens. When that is the content of your conversation, that's exactly what will happen to you. And when it's the content of your conversation, what happens is that attracts. Yeah. 
Not just God's ear, it attracts his presence. His promise is, this first promise is that honor gets God's attention. He's right there in the thick of it. When you honor God with your words, when you honor him, when you're, you know, I love this. It's not just about your prayer time. It's about what happens at mealtime. It's not just about prayer time. It's what happens in your conversation around the water cooler at work. It's not just what happens in your prayer closet. It's what happens in conversation after this service. And when he's the center of it, it strengthens you and it glorifies him. And there's a promise attached to it. So Malachi says this was the content of those who didn't fear God. This is the content of their conversation. This is the content of those who did fear God. And that attracts God, that he wants to be right in the thick of it. Which incidentally, before we move on, I just would say this. It's why the psalmist again and again and again says, oh, I'm just going to talk about God. I'm going to talk about his character. I'm going to talk about his nature. I mean, have you ever noticed that? Like as you go through the Psalms, the psalmist is not just singing God's praise. He says, I'm going to tell other people about what God has done in my life. So Psalm, uh, Psalm chapter 9 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to the Lord. Psalm 145. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, on the wondrous works, I will meditate. I shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. Oh, the psalmist, he just can't get enough about talking about God. Because he understands when that's the content of his conversation, there's a promise attached to it. There's a promise attached to it. So, honor gets God's attention, but also honor gets God's applause. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. It's kind of an interesting couple verses there. A book of remembrance was written before him. So that that phrase, book of remembrance, that's only used one time in the whole Bible, and it's right here. That, That is not a common phrase in Scripture, but that idea of a book of remembrance is not uncommon in the ancient Near East. And so in, in, in the ancient Near East, kings would have a book of remembrance written about the exploits of their kingdom or the exploits of their, their military might. So whatever was most important, whatever was most significant in the life of a king and in the, in the tenure of his reign in the kingdom at that particular time, what he would do is he would have a scribe come in and they would write a book of remembrance so that they wouldn't forget the exploits of that king and you know that military under the leadership of that king and all the grandeur of the kingdom of that time. And so now what God says is, okay, so I've leaned in and I've listened to this conversation between people who are honoring me. And that so honors me. And it so, it so, honor, so brings me glory that not only does it get my attention, but here's how, 
here's how valuable that is to me, here's how significant that is to me, that I'm actually going to have it written down in a book of remembrance. We're not talking about this isn't the Lamb's book of life, this, isn't, this is, a, this is a, uh, a, a euphemism in which God is saying, this is how valuable honor is to me. When people honor me, when people make it their number one priority, when, when people uh, fear the Lord, when people turn their attention, when people make me their priority, when people recognize who I am, when they recognize what I want to do in their life, when they recognize what I want to do for them and in them and through them, when they recognize me for who I am, guess what? I applaud that. Isn't that interesting that God takes our praise of him and then he rewards us for it? That we, he, he actually, in his glory, then he turns that glory back on us so that we get to, honestly, we get to reflect it. We get to share in the, the glory of it, the light of it, the grandeur of it, the beauty of it. But there are a couple of things when you think about that book of remembrance phrase, there are two, kind of the application there is twofold. First is this, the things you do to honor God in God's estimation are the most important actions and activities of your life. So if the king, okay, so kings in the ancient Near East, if, if something great happened in the kingdom, what did they get? They got out that book of remembrance and the scribe wrote it down and said, okay, make sure this is a big day right here. It's a big day. You know, lots of great things happened today. You know, write all of that down. We don't want to forget that because this is, this is the most important thing. These are the most important things that were happening in the kingdom and I don't want anybody to ever forget it. So by virtue of that, God says, okay, when people honor me, we're going to put it down in a book of remembrance. Ergo, whatever you do to honor God, wherever you make that your aim, wherever you make that your priority, it's the most important thing about your life. Whatever you do to honor God are the most important actions and activities of your life. Okay, let's, let's take it into the marriage realm. Whatever you do in your marriage to honor the Lord is the most important part of your marriage. It's the most significant part of your marriage. Whatever part of your career you say, I'm going to specifically make this about bringing honor and glory to God. That's the most significant part of your career. Whatever you make about honoring and glorifying God in, in, in relationship to your parenting with your kids is the most significant and important part of your parenting. And God says, I see it and I'm going to honor it. See it, I'm going to honor it. I'm going to write it down. The second, though, I want you to notice this. God will never forget the good that we have done in his power for his glory. He's never going to forget it. He never forgets it. He, he, it's, it's so significant to him. He, he puts it down, not just for the sake of remembering it, but for the sake of rewarding it. That God's desire and God's delight is to see his children, to see his people understand not just the value of doing it because it's the right thing to do, but doing it because when you do it, that's how life works best, and that's where God's blessing flows into your life. God wants to bless you. God wants to show you his favor in every single way. But that happens as you honor him. It says there's never, you're never going to do anything. I love that it's about, this, this starts with God listening to a conversation. Because here's the thing, you're never going to say something to encourage somebody 
and you just felt like, I just don't think they got it. I don't, I mean, I feel like, I, I felt like I was trying to do something nice or something kind or something that God wanted me to, but I don't feel like it was received. That's never gonna happen where God doesn't take notice of it. You're never going to share the gospel with somebody and walk away and God not go, oh, well, better luck next time. Try again. You know, they weren't very receptive, were they? No, you may in that moment feel like your evangelistic presentation didn't land, but God wrote it down. God wrote it down. God said, I'm going to honor that. He's never going to forget it. You may feel like you were generous and it wasn't well received. God wrote it down. You may feel like you were kind and you got rebuffed. God wrote it down. He doesn't forget because he honors those who honor him. Honor gets God's attention. Honor gets God's applause. He honors people who honor him. But there's a third promise embedded in this passage and honestly um, kind of toyed with some phrasing, but I just decided to not have a third point and let the passage speak for itself. Verse 17 says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. It's interesting. This reminds me of what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When you go to the end of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 17, or actually it's at the end of of, uh, verse 18, he says, then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who doesn't serve God. What's the distinction? Well, the distinction is the third promise. That the distinction is mercy. The distinction is grace. That the promise of a life that honors God ultimately is that you'll get the fullness of his mercy and grace that covers your life completely. Covers your life. You know, I think it's so interesting. We kind of get this foreshadowing of the cross in Malachi. You know, the people who say, well, there's, you know, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just don't see how the two interact. I'm just like, it's all over. It's all over. Even in this verse. 
He's talking about if you honor me, I'm gonna, here's the promises that you're gonna see come true in your life. And what does he say at the end of verse 17? He says, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. In the New Testament, what does Paul say? He said, he who did not spare his own son, but what did he do? He gave him up for us all. Guess what? Jesus wasn't spared so you could be spared. Jesus wasn't spared so that you could experience the promise that when you honor God, guess what? If you honor God, not only will he remember you, not only will he honor you, not only will he applaud what you do, not only will he write it down, but when the final note is played and life on this earth is done, he will welcome you as a co-heir with Christ. He will seat you in glory. Why? Because he's merciful to you and he's gracious to you and he's better to you than you can ever be to yourself.